Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. Well, let's read the word together. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. It's about Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyrus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at at Jerusalem, And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we're in the second week of this series. We're going to do another one next week, just a little three-part thing. And last week, on the first week, we talked about having a vision for Jesus Christ. And that when that, that confession thing that with, with Peter in, in Matthew chapter 16 is huge. He says, who do people say that I am? Who am I? And Peter says, you're the Christ the son of the living God. And he says, you did not get that from heaven, from, from earth, from man. You got it from heaven. You got that from my father. And that is something that we all need. We all need a vision of Jesus Christ, that revelation that comes to us. A lot of times it comes in our brokenness when we're at the absolute end of the line. And then we see Jesus and we see that he saved us and he's bringing us into life and freedom and forgiveness and wholeness and peace and, and hope and all that he does. So who am I? Jesus. What is Jesus doing? We talked about last week. What is Jesus doing? He is building his church. Now, we have all kinds of different backgrounds, ethnicities, experiences religiously in in the room right now. And maybe even some different experiences about what church is and our opinion of church, how high that is, or it's not, not as high, or man, I was hurt somewhere back in there. But I want you to hear me. Jesus Christ is building his church. That's what he's doing. He's about that. How do we participate with him? We also talked about that last week. We have been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And it's a mystery to me that God, who is all powerful and could just say the word and everything be done, but he has in his grace and mercy and will chosen to bind his will in heaven being done on the earth through men and women who pray and speak it out and live that way. They bind things. We, we bind the devil's work in the name of Jesus. And we release heaven's will on earth in the name of Jesus. There's power there. Everybody get your keys out. Get your keys out. Okay. Keys, key fobs, all the little doodads, fit for life. You, you, you fit. That's me. I mean, you should hear me in there just, gr- just, ah, I'm just kidding. I'll do that. I go, but I'll do that. So 
Take a good look. I want to do an, what do you call this, an image or, or object lesson. Object lesson. Really, so every time you get your keys out, you put them in your purse, you put them in your pocket, you forget them and have to go back into the house and get them again. You put them back in. Remember that you have been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And God wants us using these keys. Not the, the, This is just an object lesson. But He wants us using the keys of the kingdom of heaven to bind and to loose and to express the will of heaven on the earth. Amen. Okay, so put them back up. Today, like, like last week, this is a DNA type of message for us. Um, and I suppose they're all DNA in a way because all the, it's all part of how God's building us up to look to Jesus and what He's doing and power of the Holy Spirit and the Father's love and all of that. But how does this get worked out? The stuff that we talked about last week, that vision of Jesus, He's building His church, we're using the keys. How does it get worked out? What did it look like in the Bible? And in Acts, you know, when we started the church all those years ago, we were like, what would it be like to live like that? To see that happen. And I still, I don't know about you guys, but Acts 2 still fires me up. All these 30 years later, it fires me up. I, I'm still excited about Acts 2. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread and prayer, and they're worshiping, and they've got glad and sincere hearts. They're not bummed out. They're on fire with God. Everyone had a sense of awe. I mean, we had so many testimonies after last, last Monday, we had a staff meeting, and we were just testifying about all the things God was doing and healings and all this kind of stuff. And we just sat around and there was a sense of awe about what God's doing right now. Not someday, might, off in the distant future, but right now, what God's doing. A sense of awe. And they were breaking bread in their homes and eating with glad and sincere hearts, house to house, temple courts, worshiping all the time, living out of the presence of God. I mean, I, I'm in. I, I want in on that. You know, and so you roll the clock forward and the church starts expanding out. Some of it's through persecution. Church starts expanding out, crossing barriers, going across boundaries into Samaria. Cornelius gets saved. The Gentiles, like it goes from the Jews to the Gentiles, to the other ethnicities of the world. That's what Gentile means, ethnos, literally Gentile. It's a Greek word, ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity from. So it goes from just the Jews to everybody, Jew and Gentile, together in the body of Messiah. Yes. So, 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 so Acts 11. You, I mean, there's so much stuff happening there. We just read through that passage, but they're crossing boundaries. Now they're going to the Greeks also. The Lord's hands with them. There's grace. There's favor. Everybody's trying to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts, not just a part of their heart. And one of the things I love about the church at Antioch, and, and we have really, I mean, now for 20, uh, over 25 years since we planted the church, um, Antioch has been an inspiration for me, for us, those who've been walking with us a long time. Like, we want to be like this church. There's just something about it. It's like there's so much life flowing in this church that they eventually start planting churches. We'll talk about that. And it starts, there's life 
they make disciples that are making disciples that are making disciples. Their house groups are multiplying, and the church itself then starts multiplying. They become a multi-ethnic epicenter, life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. Fathers love receiving, Holy Spirit-empowered, Christ-manifesting church. I, I want in on that. I really do. They were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, in the Bible, you know, Christian only appears three times in the New Testament. The name Christian, it's only given three times. But disciples, we're called disciples 273 times. So that's that's really what we are. And in, in Antioch, these disciples looked so much like Jesus. Little Christ is what Christian means. They were so much like Jesus that they were called little Christ's. Christians, you know? And so the weird thing is in the modern era, especially in the West, we've kind of taken the Christian and disciple piece, like everybody was a disciple and occasionally they were called Christians. Now we've kind of flipped that and everybody's called a Christian. And then if you're really serious, like 501, 601, going to take a graduate course, then we're called disciples, And Jesus never did that. He never said, hey, give me a little mental nod. He never said, do that. He said, drop your stuff. Come follow me. Leave the old life behind. Come follow me. Put your family life in perspective. Come follow me. All the stuff you got going on in your life, put that in the right perspective. You follow me. I'm the new treasure of your life. Put all other allegiances in proper order with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. That's what it means to be a disciple. So for years, I've been following uh, statistics about Christianity in America. I mean, it's part of what I do. I guess an engineer follows what's happening in the engineering world, right? And uh, But just for all these years, for 30 years or whatever, it's been around 80% of American adults identify themselves as Christian. Right now, have you ever wondered about that? You hear that stat and you go, 80% Christian. I look around at the culture. Uh, uh, it's like, there's like something doesn't, something doesn't add up. Right. And, uh, there's a study that just came out at the end of last year and it was in, uh, a, a, a journal called, uh, help me, sociological science. And they found that, uh, that the, this this um, the nuns have been going up in America, and when, when I say nun, I mean not convent kind of nun, but no religious affiliation. So that that statistic has been going up pretty dramatically. And this study, what it found out was that the nuns are increasing from the category of marginal Christian, kind of cultural marginal Christian. You know, I do a, a church drive by. And I'm a Christian. And so that's, that's not what we're talking. And so the nuns are growing out of this marginal category. And it actually kind of makes sense to me because there's, there's more reality being expressed there rather than just everybody's a Christian because we live in America. Let's make some, let's get to some clarity about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And, and that's all. It's not just doing the nod thing. It's we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. And the way we say it around here at Antioch is, when did you treasure? When did Jesus become the treasure of your life? 
And that kind of helps cut through, you know, I just, yeah, I believe, I've heard about him, you know, but is he the treasure of your life? Is he above all other allegiances in your life? And that's what it means to follow him. That's what, and we're going to, I'm going to give everybody a chance to respond to that when we finish. Well, that's a big deal. What that study also found, though, interestingly, the nuns weren't going, growing from the committed. They weren't growing from the committed at all. In fact, the committed, they found, that number is increasing. Those who value regular church attendance, believe in a literal Bible. Um, what were some of the other uh, uh, pieces? Help me. Uh, belief in a little Bible, frequent prayer, and their religious identity is Christian to follow Jesus. So there is an increasing gulf, but that reality is really about the reality that I'm talking about here, the difference between being a disciple of Jesus Christ and a cultural marginal Christian. Everybody tracking on that? So what we're looking at here is huge. Acts 11, and here's the main thing. If I could just put it in one sentence... The church will change the world as we live at the intersection of devotion to Jesus, devotion to one another, and devotion to God's mission to the world around us. And what we're going for here, what I believe happened in Antioch, is there was kind of a, an overlapping of these three areas, devotion to Jesus, to one another, and to the mission. And that is a place of revival. That's where we want to live. We want to live where that life is flowing because all three things are happening at the same time. So God wants us to live, first of all, at the intersection of devotion to Jesus. Verse verse, uh, 20 there. Some from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began speaking to Greeks also. They got out of the box. And they're, they're telling the Greeks, they're telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. So something is so full on the inside of them that they can't be quiet. Not just, you know, it's like we, it's like worship. You know, when we love Jesus, we want to, we want to worship. We want to be with him. We want to talk about him. We want to tell others on the campus, in our jobs, be empowered to go out. There's in, in church life, there's this, we come together and then there's a sending out. And it's a rhythm of life together. Worship, and this, and I said it last week, I'll say it again. This is the safest place for the human being to actually thrive and be human, is to be constantly giving ourselves to worship. And I, I've got a great quote from Dallas Willard. I, I, I don't have it in my notes right now, but, but just like it puts evil. It's, it's hard to sin when we're worshiping and we're being a worshiping people. It, it just corrects us. It brings balance and calibration and alignment in our lives. So we want to do that. We want to be people that are devoted to Jesus Christ. When he, verse 23, when he arrived and saw evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So the idea there is devotion and all of this to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Because he's the light of the world and he's in us. We shine. Like, I, I'm being changed. And I keep telling everybody, look at me, get a good look. Besides just, I'm getting older. But get a good look because I'm changing. I'm being transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. That's the promise over me. That's the promise over you. You are the light of the world. So just like 
Darkness can't stand in the presence of light. Fear can't stand in the presence of love. And we are devoted to Jesus and Father's love receiving people. That's, that's who we are. And I'll tell you, that's why I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it again now. I have a leak somewhere. I think it's, it's down here below my right knee where the Father's love leaks out sometimes. And so every morning, I've got to hear the Father say how much He loves me. I, every single morning, Father, tell me about your love. Let this morning, like Psalm 143.8 says, let the morning, let this morning bring me word of your unfailing love to me. Let, let this be a day where your mercies are new in my life. Anybody need to just see it? It's like probably about 100% of us need to hear the Father it's just, it, there's a security. There's all kinds of, we did testimonies yesterday. We had our uh, uh, discipleship school retreat, got 30 new students, man, it was fun. And it was, it was, it was holy ground because there's so much broken stuff in our past that God needs to redeem and heal and deliver and set free and bring hope to and forgiveness to. Look around. You think everybody's got it figured out in here? No. No, 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 we don't. Everybody's grace receiving, love receiving. We all think, man, I'm the most broken person. You know, my dad and all the stuff that happened and all these things. And we're all just in the same boat. We need God. Every single one of us needs Jesus. Can't make it without him. You know, I've tried, we've tried life without Jesus. And I, I was the last one to share my story, man. I mean, just the toilet bowl vortex of death. That's addiction, by the way. That's my definition of addiction. The toilet bowl vortex of death. You know, and then I met Jesus Christ and everything changed. I, I, I had a revelation of Jesus and him smiling and doing that. You know, my eyes are closed. I'm crying my eyes out. I'm thinking about how to kill myself. And and I see Jesus suddenly before my closed eyes smiling at me. And I said, Jesus, that's you. You've got to save me because I'm so lost. And I met Jesus that night. And my life has been different ever since. And it may not be the same experience, but man, I want you to know this Jesus. I want everybody to know him, to treasure him, to love him, to have devotion for him. And the Father wants you to know his love. This is a life verse for me. Turn to John chapter 17. Verse 26, Jesus, this is the last thing he does before he goes to the cross. He's praying, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. I want them to see the love that I want them to see my glory. And I want them to see the love that you've given me, that you had gave to me before the creation of the world. That's actually a few verses before that. And just Jesus is saying, I want, I want all of the people to see the glory of God. And it, in Jesus' words, glory and love are just really closely connected. I want them to see my glory, the love that you had for me before the creation of the world. That's the glory of God. The Father wants to bring us in. That's what Jesus came to do, is to bring us right into the circle of the Father's love for the Son, the Son's love for the Father, and their shared love and anointing and communion in the Holy Spirit. And so that's why Jesus then finishes. This is one of my life verses, John 17, 26. He said, Father, I've made you known to them. 
and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Where does this whole thing go? It's union. It's union. It's, it's a shared life and anointing and communion and fellowship with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And just October 11th, 1993 was a famous date in my life. Because I was reading that verse, and I'd read it 50 times before, but I read it, and God breathed on it. And light shone into my heart, and my mind was blown. I mean, smoke, one spring, smoke slowly rising. That's hyperbole. (laughs) Communication device. It was a big deal, is what I was trying to say. It was a big deal. And because I realized I'd been trying to love Jesus but I had no clue that I was going to have the Father's love for the Son of God. The Father's, that's our trajectory. Not just loving Jesus, devotion to Jesus. It's the Father's love for Jesus. Man. Yeah, amen. So we want to live right there, that place of devotion to Jesus, but then also devotion to one another. Community, where the church really is valued, where, where if we've got God in us, then what's going to eventually happen? I've got a, an old friend who used to say, God's heart for is always beating people, 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 people. That's God's heart. And when we get God's heart in us, then we start seeing people differently. Every person that you'll ever see on planet Earth is somebody that God loved so much that he gave his life for us. Every person. And the beautiful thing about the love of God is he's giving all an invitation to get in on this love, to get in on this forgiveness. Man, I want everybody to see it. So when we get in on God's love, then we start having love for one another. We start being devoted to each other in, re- in right relationships. And do we blow it? Everybody that's ever blown it, just slip up a little hand, be really vulnerable so it's like 60, 70% of the room has blown it. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but the, the good news is that we get God's love for each other. Now, we can't, now, when we live from the fall, we can't love each other rightly. We'll end up judging each other, ranking, doing a hierarchy. You've done so much. You're worth this much love. I'm better than you. But when we love with God's love, it's a self-sacrificing, other-centered, agape love that's right. Devotion to one another. The third piece, then, is living at this intersection, is devotion to God's mission. And if you roll the clock forward there in Antioch, in Acts chapter 13, they eventually start sending people out of the church. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And that begins the first missionary journey. But my, my point here is they were so filled up with devotion to Jesus, love for one another, so much life was happening there that it began to be reproduced. Disciples making disciples. House churches giving birth to house churches. And even the whole missionary, the whole thing being done all over again by sending people out to different cities. And that's what we want to do as a church. 
I mean, we want to live at that place of intersection between devotion to Jesus, devotion to one another, and devotion to the mission. That's, there's so much life there. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes people will say, I'm into Jesus, but not so much the church or not so much the mission. And you can do one or you can even do a combo of those two things, but God wants us involved in all three. If it's just Jesus and my relationship with Jesus, it's going to stagnate over time. You got to be with people to actually see the fullness. The fullness isn't by yourself. The fullness is in the church together. He's head over all things for his body, which is the church, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. So, so it's, there, there's a fullness that only comes when we're together. But if we didn't put the mission in there, if it was just Jesus and just his people, if we didn't put the mission in there too, then over time, if it's just Jesus and his people, then we just slowly, and we get stagnated. And when fishermen that are supposed to be fishing don't fish, they they fight. They pick out little nitpicky stuff on each other. Because we're supposed to be doing other stuff, mission, going out. There's a breathing of Coming together, but then going out. Coming together, but then going out. And I mean, any of those combinations where we leave one out is going to lead to dysfunction. The church and mission without Jesus. People have tried to do that. Jesus and the mission without the church. Like, I've got a mission and I'm totally focused on this thing. But without the wholeness of the church, people burn out. You burn out without the wholeness. And you, and, and you also get prideful and think... Uh, my deal is more important than the whole. And we need the whole. We need the whole. So there you go. That's <laughs> starting to preach. Sorry. So what did this look like? So you got the church in Antioch. They're definitely looking that way. But what did it look like in history? And every now and then in history, it pops up and you see this overlap happen. And when it does, the world gets changed. Time and time again. Now, let me tell you about the Moravians. So the Moravians are these, these guys that uh, they were actually, they were this group called the Unitas Fratrum, and they were brethren that had been, perse- brethren church that had been persecuted. There was a lot of persecution going on at the time, and, and uh, Anabaptists were kind of down, Catholics and Protestants that had a big war in Europe, a lot of people killed, it was terrible. And then down at the bottom of the food chain were like the Anabaptists and the brethren, these guys, and they would kill them in different ways, pull them in two, burn them, um, drown them a bunch because they were baptizing adults, and so they, but they were persecuted. And so this persecuted people go to this guy named Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. And Zinzendorf's a, he's a, a, noble, a nobility, and he was the cousin of the king of Denmark. And in, so in the 1722, these brethren come to Zinzendorf and they say, hey, can we... They didn't say, hey. They, 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 hey. <laughs> I said, sob. You know. And uh, so they, they said, uh, Mr. Z- Count Zinzendorf. <laughs> my Lord. Yeah, they said, my Lord. That's probably what they said. My Lord. And uh, y'all going to help me preach this. And uh, so 1722, they say, hey, can we stay on your land and he says, yes. And they end up creating this little village, becomes a little town called Hernhut. Have you ever heard of Hernhut? Hernhut is a, it, it just means the Lord's watch. 
the Lord's watch. And they create this, and they're working together. They've got, they work hard. They worship hard. They pray hard. They go for it. They're writing songs. I mean, they're just, their hearts are exploding. And after about five years, they get into some little squabbles. They've got a few different groups there. And on August 13th, 1727, they have what they later recalled, that they later called the Moravian Pentecost. They go in on a Sunday morning for communion and God just moves. And they said it was so, it just went on for hours and hours. And they said it was so holy we could barely talk about it, but it gave us a love for one another and God's heart for the nations. And so over time, they just, they're continuing to work, worship, do their thing. And then in August of 1732, they start a prayer meeting. A prayer meeting that is for the nations and for God's heart for all people. And that prayer meeting goes for how long? 100 years, round the clock, nonstop, 24-7, 100-year prayer meeting. And you know what happened during that time? They changed the world. So a guy named Leonard Dober and David Nitchman then had been living in the church life and everything. They hear this story, this, this uh, former slave from St. Thomas comes to, ends up coming through the court of Denmark, and then, and then uh, Zinzendorf had heard him, and he brought him to Hernhut. And Dober and Nitschman hear about this, hear the slave's testimony, former slave's testimony, and he said, the conditions are terrible, it's horrible, people need the gospel bad there, and Dober and Nitschman say, we'll do it. And so they are, they go with a plan to sell themselves into slavery so that they can get on the island of St. Thomas. The governor ends up not letting them do it, but as they're getting ready to ship off and they're waving goodbye to the rest of the Moravians who'd come to see him off, they said, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And that became the banner cry for the Moravians. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And so then from like 30 more years, it's 30 more years before Zinzendorf dies, and they send out 232 missionaries around the world. I mean, to some hard places. And they have these paintings that they would do ever so often of, of, they called it first fruits. And that was their goal. They weren't trying to reach everybody, but they were trying to get first fruits among these unreached people that had never been tapped or shared the, uh, the good news about Jesus Christ that had never been heard. So let's bring this up into the present. And that, and I just say the Moravians, you guys, I mean, they are the modern missionary movement. I mean, there's other people that have done things. William Carey's kind of actually given credit, but this is 50, 60 years, 70 years before uh, William Carey's doing this, and they're doing it out of the local church. One church, 300 people, changes the world. Isn't that inspirational? And so you roll the clock forward, and it's not just Antioch intersection in the Bible. It's not just the Moravian intersection. It's, it's, the Antioch intersection right now. We want to see all of this happen right now. If you can flash those slides up, the Antioch intersection. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Jesus, the way I would say it now is Jesus, his people, and his mission. The way we say it as a movement is we want to have a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. A passion for Jesus and his purposes, which is his people and his mission. And we want to live right there. We want to live not just talking about this, but in the reality of it, in the reality where we're actually, yes, God, you've gripped my heart and I want to see this happen. And so I want to do some commissioning this morning. 
I want to do some commissioning. Flash, flash the spheres slide up. We do this every now and then. We did, I think, back in January. But I want to do it again. We are Jesus and his people together. And we do this breathing rhythm thing of coming together and then being sent out. And we've got all of these different spheres that we go out into in our lives, right? You got school. How many school? Education. A bunch of, bunch of folks. Uh, or how many teachers? Principals. School leaders. <laughs> right. So, uh, how many, uh, like, rather than do this, you can see the spheres. What I'm going to do is, instead of just having you do this, I want to have you stand up. If I get everybody that's involved in education, or you're at school right now, you're a teacher, or you're at school, please stand up. And some people may be standing up more than once. Okay? And even, even if you're not clear about Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to totally live for Him, I, you can still receive a commission to go live and make things right. Live in a righteous way, right? And if you want to follow Jesus, then make it all about Him too. Yeah, right? So may, may you just receive this commission to go be Jesus' people as you go out, all of you radical, on-fire, Jesus-loving people, go make things right in your sphere in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You're commissioned, all right? Now, if you need to stand up more than once, stand up more than once. And I know the education guy, if you're in school, some of these other spheres are where you're going. They're, they're where you're going. So I want you to stand up again on, on those. Uh, neighborhood. So I'll stay at home. Moms and dads, if you would stand up. I want to commission you as well. Stay at home, moms and dads in your neighborhoods. Yeah, and we just, we bless you and we commission you to go and represent Jesus and his people and his mission in all that you're doing for his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? How many business guys, if you're in business, stand up or if you're headed toward business at school? Okay. So may the Lord use you to make things right. May he just touch people's lives through your ethics and the way you do business and the way you reflect his honor and glory in the business sphere and as you're getting there as students. In Jesus' mighty name, you're commissioned. Amen. Okay, healthcare, healthcare. All doctors, nurses, heading to become nurses. I know that's a big deal at TCU as well. Okay, so you guys... May the Lord bless you because you're making things right. You're helping to heal people and make things right. Hurting people need help. And so may you be sent out and be commissioned to learn it well, but also to do it well. For the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Okay, so, so now I'm going to, we, we had a city councilman in the first service. And he's not in the second service. So I, I don't know how many politics people we've got. So I'm going to throw these four categories together. If you're in sports, if you're in politics or headed toward that, if you're in the arts, I know we've got a bunch of arts people, theater people. And if you're in law enforcement or lawyers or social justice stuff, stand up. I'm going to get all those together. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. So may the Lord bless you to shine like the sun. You are the light of the world. Shine in dark places. Shine in dark places. Be commissioned to shine in dark places. Be the light that he's called you to be. And remember this. There is no fear in love. Can't exist. Just like darkness can't exist with light, fear can't exist with love. 
So be those love bringers into your spheres. In Jesus' mighty name, you're commissioned. Amen. Amen. That's fun. Okay, so why are we doing that? Basically, we finish every service here at Antioch, and I, I say, let's go be the kingdom. May the Lord bless you to go be the kingdom. Every now and then, we need a visual of it. Like we're heading out into all these different spheres. Go do it. Okay? And I bless... If I missed somebody, if you feel like, oh, man, no, may the Lord bless you to go too. Whatever it is, whatever your sphere is, man, let's be people that live for Jesus. Flash that last slide up. This is, so this is February 18, and, and uh, it reflects part of, so, so we're a church. We want to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church, and we want to do that out of Fort Worth and touch our city and the region, the nation, and the nations. And then we're a part of a tribe called Antioch, the, the Antioch movement. And this kind of stuff is happening out of all of these different churches. There's 35 U.S. churches, 80 to 90 international teams, and some of those teams have given birth to whole church-planting movements that have been written about. Muslims reached in, in the Arab Muslim world where they've never been church planting movements before since Islam started in the 600s. You know, just that that's happening right now. We're getting to live to see that. And that's part of our fruit. That's part of our family. That's part of what we're getting to see happen. Amen. You can fly, just take that one down. I want to finish with this. If I, uh, before, before the band comes. I just want to say, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to just say today, there's an invitation for you. There's an invitation for you to begin treasuring Jesus Christ. Not just believing in Him, but putting Him first and foremost in your thinking, attitudes, words, prayers, life, living, the spheres, all that you're doing, putting Him first. And that's really what He's calling you to. Not something less than that, and not something that you might get around to one day. It's like, this is reality. The kingdom of God is here. And he says, believe in this gospel of the reign of God, of the kingdom of God. He reigns. And he, when we put our faith in him, he, it's like we've come out of darkness and into light. We've come out of bondage and into freedom. We've come out of this lost, broken, guilty, shame-ridden, existence and into forgiveness and peace and life and hope. And that's what it means to follow Jesus and be with his people and do what he's doing. It's, there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. You know, that's my testimony is that I've tried it without him and we've tried it with him and there's nothing like following Jesus. So stand up, worship team, come on up, ministry team, come. We're going to just take a couple minutes here and we do this at the end of every service. If you're new and just we really think that, that there's something powerful that happens in ministry. Like you can hear words, you can worship, but something powerful happens when you get prayer because God answers prayer. He loves to meet us right where we're at. And so if that's you on this decision to say, I want Jesus to be my treasure, come get prayer. I mean, put the stake, just get somebody to pray with you. Put the stake in the ground and say, yes, Lord, I want, I want to follow you. I want to know this new life. And there's just nothing like it. But I also want to say, it may be that you're called, just I'm, you're sensing, I want more of this passion, passion for Jesus and devotion to his people and his mission. Then come and get prayer. If that's you, I, I want to get in on this. Don't live a lukewarm, mediocre, you know, toast flopping over kind of existence 
but go for it. You know, press in as milk toast. And, uh, and I really felt like, too, I, I heard passivity. Just, if, if you're struggling with passivity, that's part of the fall. We, we all struggle with that. Get prayer from somebody. And if you need the keys of the kingdom and exercised in some place, working in some place of your life, come get freedom. I, just come get prayer. Whatever your need is, let's go for it. Press in. Be bold. Be aggressive. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. Press in. Say, Jesus, I want you today. I want all that you are. Lead us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Meet us here. We call on your name, Jesus, Savior, King, Lord.